Modern Cloister, where we cultivate deeper thinkers and worshipers through conversations about the Christian life, in the same spirit as the community conversations that took place during the Reformation at the Black Cloister, the former monastery and home of Martin Luther and his wife, Katharina von Bora. I'm Carissa, and I'm here with Kevin, and today we're continuing our series on the Psalms. And in this second part of the series, we're spending some time talking about the individual genres and types of Psalms, while also reading through and talking about specific Psalms within those genres. As we talked about in our very first episode, there are multiple ways to categorize the different types of psalms. The categories we're going to use are simply ones that we have chosen, but it's not the only way. There are lots of areas of overlap between them also, which means that if one psalm perhaps has a praise element, it can also very, very likely have a confidence element or a kingship element or any of the other genres as well. So for the sake of where we're headed together, we do want to list the categories that we've broken them down into. And we typically go by eight different categories of psalms. But for the sake of pairing them together for the modern cloister, we're grouping them into pairs of two. So we have praise and thanksgiving, lament and confession, confidence and remembrance, and wisdom and kingship. Now, before we dive into discussing the second grouping that we're going to go into today, which is lament and confession, we do want to spend just a minute reminding and talking through the importance of the Psalms and giving that high-level understanding of why they're important and why we should be diving into them and taking them seriously as believers in our daily use. The Psalms are a great example of the intersection of thinking and worshiping, which you've likely heard us say many times at this point as we've been talking about the Psalms, because they really do shape our theology and influence our worship. The word psalm, again, simply means praise. They're a collection of songs and prayers that have been used historically throughout the church in both corporate worship settings and for private worship and prayer by believers. They can and should still be used today and have such a purpose and place within our lives as believers because they offer us a guidebook for how to engage with God. They show us a full range of emotions and experiences within the Christian life. And in fact, Martin Luther himself called the Psalms a mini Bible because they really did capture the essence of Christian life from from the Christian believer's perspective in the day in and day out outworkings of their faith. So today we're going to start by talking about lament and confession, which are two separate categories of psalms, but do pair nicely together. And to get us started, Kevin's going to give us an overview of really what the lament psalms are. Right. So lament, I like our note here, is lament is the opposite of praise. Yes. So uh, (laughs) last last time we brought you up, now we're going to bring you down. Always. (laughs) But no, not really. And that's that's what I think, (laughs) that's what it sounds like, right? But (laughs) We're going to dive a little more into this than we did on some of the others because I think lament is so unfamiliar Mm -hmm. to us. Um, Again, our our target audience, thank you for those. International listeners, we picked up someone from Singapore, so thank you. Ooh, shout out. Uh, The the kind of the modern Western American evangelical, however you want to define it, probably both those groups, uh, of which is us. There's not a lot of lament. Uh, If you grew up in kind of the put on your best face kind of tradition, you come to church, you praise God, you go home and, you know, do it again next Sunday. There's not a lot of questioning God, uh, being angry with God, being sad. Hey, you have Christ. Why would you ever be sad, right? If you believe that, please read the Psalms, as we've been saying, because the Psalms have deep complaints. They are angry at God. They accuse God of being in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. As in, he's yeah. he's gone. He's ignoring them. Like, there is, like, these are feelings you are absolutely allowed to have. And, and this is one reason why some biblical counseling recommends people read the Psalms, kind of in a way to get in touch with their own emotions. Mm-hmm. 
as a way to know how to have those emotions for God. So lament is a, it's more than just being upset. And there's a whole flow that a lot of them have. And um, so, yeah, let, let me let me read through a couple of things that you're going to see. It's going to roughly be this flow, but not, not necessarily. Um, invocation, a plea to God for help. So usually one of those two. A complaint, and that's going to be the largest part of that. And, and we don't like that word, though, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to hear, you can't complain to God. Yeah, you can. It translated from the Hebrew, the word in Hebrew means complaint. Like, it's it's just what it is. Um, and then a confession of sin or an assertion of innocence. So uh, we have that with David some about his foes surrounding him and attacking him without cause. Imprecation, we have less of this. We talked about this in, our I think, our first episode where that's actually calling down punishment on others. Uh, these are usually more of corporate, you know, psalms of Israel versus enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then confidence in God's response. And then you're going to kind of either end with a with a hymn or a blessing, and every lament song, psalm, uh, ends with this hope. You know, you come back out of the pit. There is a, a blessing and praise, with the exception of Psalm 88. And so, there's a lot of things you can use this lament for. Um, you know, your own actions or sins, your community's action sins, action as others, frustrated with God when it appears He's not answering you. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, like you said, like. You know, you're for, God is forgetting us. They're not rescuing us from our our current situation. Um, and I think for me, this is one where I like to go and though I like to do this with some of the shorter praises, but if you're uncomfortable with this complaint to God for whatever, you know, whatever you may be struggling with, it may be a distance from God. It may be marriage issue or, or whatever it is. And you're just, you, you're in your head, you're thinking, why God, why? And you want to express that in a prayer and try to enter that communion with God. Uh, people are very nervous to do that, I think, because they, yeah. they don't want to get it wrong, right? Because yeah. you certainly don't want to anger God, test God, right? So I personally just read through, I, I would just read the Psalms, and and um, we'll, we'll hit those in a minute. Because I do, again, the structure is very strange, so I want to go through that. But quickly, a couple of the Psalms that are lament, um, 3, 12, 13, 17, uh, 26, 54, uh, 69, and then 86, 87, 88, uh, all in a row. And so uh, if you're reading along with us at home, <laughs> check out uh, 69 is a good example that, that takes you through this flow. Uh, like yeah. I was saying, it, it's very long. It's four pages in this Bible, so I'm not going to read it all. But, you know, we start with the plea for help. Save me, O God, for the waters have come to my neck. And, and then David really enters his plea from there on. Um, and, and the pain he's feeling, my eyes grow dim for waiting for God. I'm weary from crying out. My throat is parched. Mm, that uh, imagery. Right, yeah. So again, that, that's the depth of emotion that you should should be having. I mean, these are the inspired word of God. Like, this is something we should believe. Uh, number four, more, I'm sorry, verse four, more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. This is his complaint. And that rolls through a couple more. And a little out of order from what I said earlier, but again, these are just things you're supposed to have. Deliver me. So we're back to a plea. Answer me, for your steadfast love is good. Right? So now mm-hmm. there, here's the confidence in God's response. And that was uh, verse 16. We have an imprecation here in 27. Add to them punishment upon punishment. And then at 30, we turn. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And 34, you know, you know, broader. 
let heaven and earth praise and uh and and we'll we'll wrap it up there for that it's so you kind of see lament is more structured than any of the other mm-hmm. psalms Definitely is. It, it follows a formula there's probably fewer of them than others but you're going to get that complaint mm-hmm. you're going to get the plea you're going to get confession of sin or a yeah. imprecation the confidence in god's response and because of the confidence that's where yeah. you now praise god well, I, I think one of the things that, that strikes me, especially in, in Psalm 69, because it is a longer psalm in the lament category, is that I think I was, I was watching you read it. I think it's 35, 36 verses mm-hmm. in total. And it isn't until verse 30 that you start getting to the turning right. into praising God. Like there are 30 verses, 29, 30, somewhere in there. And all of that is that, that low place of where are you, God? I have my complaint against you. And mm-hmm. so... I think oftentimes when you hear, well, it turns to praise at the end, like, yeah, that is true. And that's what the lament process guides you toward, but it gives you lots of space at the beginning. And so I think that's, I think that's significant when you talk about the, the breakdown of even how they turn is that there, there is that space at the beginning where you're encouraged to walk through those steps. And I, it would just, it would struck me as you were reading it. And I was looking at the numbers you were going through <laughs> of the verses and how many were in each category. So Right. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. The complaint is the longest part because because if you had a, a 10 verse and, you know, first is a plea that's two verses and then maybe your lament as a verse and then four verses of praise. You're, you're not yeah. like the point of lament is this is something you can do. And I'm going to read this one. This one is a little bit long, but this this is an important one to me. Um, coincidentally, it is it is the only one that does not end in praise. It, there is no turning. And the placement of it is interesting. It's Psalm 88. It's three in a row. Of lament, and it's the only kind of section of lament. So Psalm 80, 86, 87, 88 are all lament. Um, 86 and 87 all end in praise. 88 does not. And this is an, a valuable one to me. It, it, it's meaningful to me. Uh, I think it shows really the depths of despair that you can cry to God more than any other ones. Um, I read this one sometimes. Uh, just, just straight read it again. Kind of we mentioned earlier, it feels like you don't want to get it wrong. But of course, as we mentioned in how to use them, you can learn from these and pray them, but uh, I guess I'm not very clever. And uh, I, I will, especially dealing with insomnia, I will be reading this at, at two or three in the morning and I just read it over and over again. Um, but I'm still going to stumble over the words. So here it goes. Oh Lord, my God, my Savior, by day and night I cry to you. Let my prayer enter into your presence. Incline your ear to my lamentation. For I am full of trouble. My life is at the brink of the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I have become like one who has no strength, lost among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the depths of the pit, in dark places, in the abyss. Your anger weighs upon me heavily, and all your great waves overwhelm me. You have put my friends far from me. You have made me to be abhorred by them. I am in prison and cannot get free. My sight has failed me because of my trouble. Lord, I have called upon you daily. I have stretched out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Will those who have died stand up and give you praise? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in the land of destruction? Will your wonders be known in the dark or your righteousness in the country where all is forgotten? But as for me, O Lord, I cry to you for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Lord, why have you rejected me? Why have you hidden your face from me? Ever since my youth, I have been wretched and at the point of death. I have borne your terrors and troubled mind, with a troubled mind. 
Your blazing anger has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They surround me all day long like a flood. They encompass me on every side. My friend and my neighbor you have put away from me, and darkness is my only companion. Again, if you think you have to come to church only when you're smiley and happy, if you think that's the only time you can come to God when your life is put together, please go read the Bible. Read mm-hmm. God's Word to you. Read Psalm 88 in your darkness and see how David, or the author, I'm not sure how I actually wrote that one, even though I said it's important one to me, who, what we can say to God. There's the mm-hmm. depths of despair where we cry out to Him. Yeah. I, I was struck as you were finishing up. I had this this urge in me, and it's probably because I, I lead worship often to say, this is the word of the Lord after that. And it struck me because there there are likely several people who are listening who have never read that psalm and might be thinking, that is the word of the Lord? Mm-hmm. It's so dark, and there's so much pain and and despair in it. How can that be the word of the Lord? But it is the word of the Lord. And that shows us that we have this invitation to express those emotions. And so in, like, I, I felt this urge to be like, this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> and I remember like, thanks be to God, because it is. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that it just really struck me thinking of, of who may be listening and having not read that psalm myself until maybe two years ago, I think, perhaps, mm-hmm. and not, not even being familiar with that. And I, I do think your point of it being one of the darkest ones is, is likely um, true. And I yeah, and, and people turn away from the church when they feel that way. Mm-hmm. And that's that's unfortunate. And again, this psalm may be 3,000 years old. Yeah. Uh, it's been read through the ages. And um, again, you, you can't isolate one thing. Yeah. You know, we talked about um, steadfast love endures forever on our praise and how mm-hmm. often that's used in psalms. So even when you are in this darkness as the pit, uh, when you are alone and you feel you have no friends and that even God turns back on you, that is just for a time. Mm-hmm. We only have one psalm without praise. Think of that, 150 yeah. psalms. So. Yeah. In the, in the spirit of sharing examples that are important to us, I'm going to go ahead and and share one as well that is, is a lament psalm that has been meaningful to me. It's one that I've spent time in this year in particular, um, again, because I've been psalming and I've been writing, and this is another one that struck me early on in that process and that I have, I have since written some lyrics and music to, but it's Psalm 13, and in continuing on with some of the the structure that you you likely heard in Psalm 88, where it's just asking God question after question mm-hmm. of where are you. This one follows in that same structure with just a lot of questions. And for, for those of us who often feel like we can't ask the questions, like there are so many questions in the Psalms that just directly say, hey, God, where are you? And I think when you see the number of them together, it's really powerful. So this one is Psalm 13, and it's it's a shorter one. So it's 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 a nice one to be able to go to at times for different reasons. So here's this one. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Again, it's it's interesting. If I, I was l- listening to you read Psalm 69 earlier, and it was a little over two-thirds of the way through that it turned into praise, and this one actually just happens to be. It's only six verses, so right. like verse five, it's also like two-thirds of the way through. And I should just point like, out four verses wouldn't be two-thirds, but... 
No, I know. It starts in verse 5, oh! turning to praise. Oh, I'm still correct. Right, you were trying, right. but no. Oh, man. There's six verses. Four lament, two are, yes, no, I'm correct. It's, okay. Okay, yeah, just to right. be clear. <laughs> but, but, but you have here the, the whole working out of, of that lament. And one of the things, I know we talked about this in one of our earliest episodes, that the process for lament is often... Um, it's captured in in the final version of the psalm altogether, but very likely these were often the outer workings of someone working through their lament. So it's not like mm-hmm. you sat down in 20 minutes and wrote all of these questions and then immediately turned into trusting the Lord and remembering the unfailing love. But that is the final outworking of of the process of lament. And so the final version of this psalm in its form for us is to show us that, which I have found powerful in learning how to lament because Learning how to lament has been a strange process as mm-hmm. I've gotten more from, I still don't think I do it well often, but I've been learning and trying and think I've, you know, starting to feel some of the rhythms because it is different if you're not used to it, of course. But that that process, I think, is important to keep in mind. Yeah, and, and we mentioned that steadfast love endures forever is one of the things most often repeated. But the number one question in the Old Testament is how long, O Lord? Yeah, that's so a good it's, one. So it's often in the Psalms. I, we probably get it beginning in Exodus, so certainly in the Torah, and then all the way through, even there's how long, O Lord, in in the Revelation, Mm -hmm. I I believe in the book of Revelation, you have the martyrs and saints, you know, crying out to God still for that, so even in his presence, you still, of course, they're looking down on sinful world, and of course, future, we won't have that, but it's it's clearly an important part that I I think we've lost. Another thing we've lost, and we don't (laughs) do very well, is 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 often too is uh, but a little bit better is confession. Yes, and confession we paired this with lament because they really go together. And we, in a sense, while we do see it as a, a separate genre and type, also see it as, in a sense, a subcategory of lament because any confession should come with lament for that confession. And so these would be psalms that are directed specifically at your own sin, or at times for more of the community confession psalms would be the sins of Israel in the Old Testament. So unlike the the lament psalms where they are geared toward any and everything that's happening to you, where is God, why are my enemies seeming to triumph, all this destruction around me, this narrows its focus on sin. And there are some some really, really beautiful and powerful psalms that go up under this. And we're, we're both going to read parts of ones to you as well that that are likely some of the more popular ones but also are some of the more meaningful because they really do a good job in capturing some of that language and the first one is one that i'm going to read that is psalm 32 again this is one that i have spent a good bit of time in this year for all the reasons i've already mentioned and i'm going to read you this this first part of it because i love the imagery in it and i love some of the juxtaposition of ideas as well so psalm 32 um, which has the subtitle here blessed are the forgiven Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. 
you surround me with shouts of deliverance. And it goes on for a couple more verses there. And then at the very end, it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Some of the imagery in here I think is really powerful because of the of the way it shows you the results of sin and there, therefore, in a sense, encourages continual confession. This imagery of your bones wasting away and the hand of the Lord being heavy upon you when you have unconfessed sin is very convicting when I read it. And I think that's the point in this psalm is that it's, it's supposed to show you not just the spiritual impacts, but the physical impacts that our bodies have when we are not in in that spirit of, of continual confession. But then upon the, you know, admitting the iniquity and bringing confessions, there's all this blessing and there's rejoicing and there's there's God becoming the hiding place once again, the one who preserves you from trouble and then turns that, that confession and that lament over your own sin into rejoicing. And I have just loved this one because of how it starts with the promise of blessed is the one who has forgiven, then goes into what it is to actually confess and then fulfills the promise on the other side of like I will I will now rejoice in you because you are the one that I I can I can find my hiding place in and and I love that because it 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 provides that that confidence in God's provision at the very beginning before even bringing you through the process of confession. So I've I've loved that one this year. It's really meaningful for me. So and you you see some elements of lament and complaint in there, but you that, do. that is a good. Um, like we said, almost all the laments are going to have a confession. There are a few assertions of innocence, but that's, yeah, I think that's a really good example. And then probably the most famous, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, confession in, in probably the whole Bible? Probably the whole Bible, yeah, I think so. <laughs> is uh, Psalm of David, Psalm 51. Uh, this is after Nathan accuses him, doesn't mm-hmm. accuse him, shows him his yeah. his sin or, or brings to light his sin with um, Bathsheba. And so it kind of starts with that plea and then moves to confession with uh, first one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So that's, there's a little bit of the confidence in there too, obviously. Um, but again, the focus on this is all going to be the confession. And so almost the rest of it is, for I know my transgressions, transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you you only have i sinned and done was evil in this in your sight and he goes on i mean he's asking to be cleaned i mean that's the rest of it uh this pretty famous section uh verse seven purge me with hyssop hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow verse nine hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities verse 10 create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me. And again, as part of this confession, I suppose, you know, uh, verse 11, cast me not away from your presence. Give me the joy of your salvation. And then he takes it even a step further. I will, in verse 13, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Mm -hmm. So he goes through his confession. He goes through his hope that God will forgive him. He asks to be cleansed and even says, I will teach other people Mm -hmm. to confess and have them turn to you. So you, you can just imagine that being born out of, um, obviously, a, a terrible time of deep sin. I think pretty famously, people know the story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah. It's just a, a confession to God. And I also think this is one we don't do very much. If you go to some more liturgical churches, there'll be a confession of sin mm-hmm. um, every Sunday, usually kind of a written one that everyone reads, and then and then a private time. And some of them use psalms, some of them use kind of a historical you know, book of common prayer or something like that. 
but this is pretty common. The confession is pretty common in the in the Psalms. You even have them kind of mixed in with praise. You have just a straight confession, like we've just read, mm-hmm. partial limit, like we said, and that's an important part of the Christian life, really. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus tells us to confess our sins. We're told to confess to each other um, in, in the epistles, and uh, much like the lament, I think it's one we don't don't do as well. Yeah. It, it definitely is not one we do as well. And it's such an essential part of, of growing in Christ that without it, growth in Christ really is impossible. Like you can't grow closer to God without continually being in a, in a place of mm-hmm. confession of your own sin because it means you are in a constant state of renewal and realization that your need for God is so great that you must come. And, it, you know, in that in that same space, if reading the Psalms from a, a confession perspective is a newer thing, these would be two great ones to start sitting with. Mm-hmm. And even if you were to begin reading these on a semi-regular basis, of just to remind yourself and to guide your heart and mind and soul through the process of confession and looking inwardly for the sin that is within and bringing it forward to God, that would start transforming the way you, you looked at how you brought things to God and walked with God. Just from these two psalms, and there are many, many more that would, mm. that would guide you in that, but these two in particular we feel are very powerful. The church has as well over the years, and they're, they're very well known for being examples of confessional sins. Right. You certainly heard a sermon on, on Psalm 51. I mean, oh, it's, definitely. It's, but the it's one of the reformers, and it, it maybe our boy Luther um, said that all of life, that is the Christian life, all of life is repentance. Yeah. And, you know, if we're, we're truly trying to grow in holiness and sanctification, which is done through the Holy Spirit, through us, uh, by the Holy Spirit, through us, but you you have to confess your sins to grow you have to cry out to god and hopefully we've made a good case that the psalms can help you with that yes hopefully so that is the point of what we're doing here (laughs) and our hope for sure that you know in the in the process of these discussions and reading some and talking about them from our personal vantage points as well that it just creates that that desire and dialogue and conversation and encouragement for all of us to be continually in these spaces um, together with each other and also individually and so we hope that that is the case We are going to wrap up there for this episode. We're so glad that you joined us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to The Modern Cloister so you continue along with us for the journey. And share with your friends. Yes. If you like this and you have ever had discussions with people about confession or lament or people who are struggling, share those psalms. And if you like or feel compelled, share this episode. and hopefully it can help. Yep. We encourage you to connect with us. You can find us at moderncloister.com. We also love to hear listener feedback, thoughts, questions, any suggestions you may have for future episodes or ways that you have experienced the Psalms as well. We'd love to know that. And you can reach us at moderncloister at gmail.com. That's it for this time. See you next time, guys.